The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. Welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And tonight we are being joined by a voice acting great. He's also a regular actor. And we'll talk about um, the latest film that he has on Amazon, I believe, as I'm getting the nod. And he's also a a comedian. So actor, voice actor and comedian. Um, We're talking with Sam Quasman. How are you guys doing tonight? I love Quacker. Yeah, a little Quacker, Tom and Jerry show. I love Quacker. Yep. Well, okay, so let's touch on Tom and Jerry real quick. Six, yeah. You're going into the sixth season? Yep, six seasons, and now they're going to be in uh, living in a hotel in a big city like New York. Oh, wow. They're going to run around the hotel and they're coming out with a Tom and Jerry movie that I'm not in, but uh, they, uh, wow. they they switched the location. So it should be a lot of fun. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I've been writing on the show and I, they, I submitted oh, a couple of ideas that they bought. So and I'm on the uh, I'm the baby duck and uh, I'm an innocent little duck. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So how how did you end up getting cast? As Quacker. It's very, it's very funny. You know, I started out in a show called Disney on Parade, which you see today as Disney on Ice. And right, what they stated, right. we ran. It was a dance show back in the early 70s. Mm, right. And my, by the way, my first dance partner was a guy named Patrick Swayze. He was our no first dance No kidding. Partner. No, I'm not kidding you. First wow. dance partner. Wow. Yeah, He's wow. a great guy. And uh, <clears throat> so I was the voice of Donald Duck for the show and a lead dancer in the show. I don't know. Swayze was Prince Charming in the Snow White section, and I was the lead alligator in Fantasia. I don't know how they could pass me over for Prince Charming (laughs) with Patrick. I mean, come on. Hey, so I I, I agree. Tough competition. I agree right right there with you. He he should have been he should have been Tweedledee with you as Prince Charming, but. Yes, and Tweedledum. <laughs> I play the dumb part. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, and I was the voice of Donald Duck, and I did that from uh, all their, sh- all of their 
uh, arena shows. So from, uh, I did about three or four or five of them and then it stopped. And then I went over the, to the, uh, to the studio and I started doing their records and toys. And, uh, that was a lot of fun doing that. The duck. So I was doing Donald duck at Disney studios. I did totally many, the album and I did, uh, the talking books. I did the talking Mickey mouse audio animatronic doll. You know, oh, wow. Because remember, there was a Teddy Ruxpin? Yes, there was. Mm-hmm. Disney, yep. Disney went, wait a minute, we can do that. So they came out with an audio animatronic <laughs> Mickey Mouse stuff. Yeah. So, and, so a, I did a, vo- a voice of our childhood. Yes, yes. I, and I, then, uh, <laughs> and so I did a lot of that. And then they took out all three of us, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, brought in three new guys. So here it is, was 20 years later or so, and I get a call from... Uh, uh, the executive producer, director of Tom and Jerry, and says, you still do a good duck? And I go, yeah, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out I went into the animation department, did Donald Duck, and he never forgot it. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah. So it takes a little luck. And I wound up as the voice of Little Quacker for Tom and Jerry cartoons. And by the way, I spoke with the casting director, and she said they went through 3,000 voice actors for that little baby duck. Wow. So there you have it. So you yeah, are. And it could have just came right to you from the beginning. Yeah, and I can do. I can do. You know, he's very difficult to do. Like one one syllable words, like you know, uh, and or something like that. And, mm-hmm. You know, but if you do supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, it's easy. It's I don't know. It's just that kind of thing, like the word ugly. It's so hard. If I don't tell you what I'm going to say, you'd never guess it. Right. So, <laughs> so in this case, is this something with something like ugly? You have to go in and accent, uh, specific, like the G, to make it sound. Yeah. And create additional syllables for for something that's not just to to make it more noticeable. Yeah, we tried to break it up into two two words. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Mm, yeah. You know? And even then it's difficult. Yeah. Or or and see there's nothing to hold on to. Like if you say but, you can understand it. Right. But if you say and you know, it just sounds like I'm you know, having a, a movement, you know? Now are you <laughs> not I love the character, but I, I don't. I don't remember the history of Quacker. Are you? Obviously, you're not the original actor who who did no, Quacker, no. right? How, the original was Red Coffee from 1950. Okay, and Red wow. Coffee had a very innocent duck, and and Little Quacker is very innocent. I keep him innocent, and and Little Quacker. I think Red Coffee was more like this. You know, really tight and really right. small and, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm a little, I'm also an innocent duck, but I'm a little wider. I'm a, you know, and he was like, you know, it was really, you know, higher and, you know, right. I try to imitate him. And then uh, later on, it became Yaki Doodle. Which was oh, done yeah. by a gentleman who was really good, and he was a ventriloquist. And I can't remember his name. Uh, he's still alive. He's still around. He's like ninety six or ninety seven. Wow. Oh wow! And um, he did a great duck, and he was 
Yaki Doodle back in the 60s. Yeah, so, remember oh, some of those. That was really something. Yeah, and he had his friend Chopper. Oh, Chopper! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so it evolved to that, and then uh, Warner Brothers uh, bought all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, you know, the Flintstones yep. and Scooby-Doo <laughs> and all that. And right, they're bringing right. them all back. So uh, they brought back Tom and Jerry, and uh, I wound up as the baby duck, and that, that's my whole career right there. And I hadn't done do- uh, duck for, for decades. And then, of course, I do robot chicken, and we did Mickey and Donald at a bar picking up chicks. That was hilarious. (laughs) I love I love robot chicken. I I love robot chicken just for the fact that on one, I know how twisted Seth's mind can be and the and the creative team that he brings around him is awesome. And and some of this is is all you know, I'm watching Robot Chicken, it's all stuff I remember him going, What if this was to happen? You know, and this was like back in the late eighties. Yeah. When yeah. he was talking about you know scenarios for for ske- you know for sketches, obviously as times changed, probably his ideas have changed. But I mean, it was still always there, and we always laughed and and, and enjoyed you know him talking through the these potential sketch ideas. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he's given me some uh, pretty free reign to do some other voices for his show, and he's just a what a gentleman, what a nice guy. Just, just really great to hang out with and to talk to. I mean, he's so it's always good to hear. Yeah, here. Yeah, he's a movie star. He's a voiceover guy. He's a producer, a director. Uh, you know, he's done it all. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, with Tom and Jerry, this is your first run with Tom and Jerry, or is this, uh, or have you done yeah. runs before this current current? Well, run? no. Uh, Tom and Jerry was re- revitalized. Uh, at 10 years ago, and this is the sixth season okay. uh, that we're in, and uh, they haven't done a Tom and Jerry. I, well, actually, no. They were doing Tom and Jerry cartoons, direct-to-DVD movies and right. things at Warner Brothers over the last 20 years that I know of, or more. But uh, they didn't use Little Quacker. So uh, they just, with the new TV series on Boomerang, uh, they included Quacker as part of the cast. So, now you now you were talking about a Tom and Jerry movie coming yeah. out, um, yeah. and I think I think Derek and I have talked about this before. How do you feel about with Hollywood when it comes to the movies of animated movies of properties well known, uh, like we just had Scoop, and yeah. for Shaggy they did not use William Lillard; they used someone else. For the voice, yeah. Uh, yeah. how how do you feel about the fact that they go after um, more named talent for the voices yeah. just to tr- draw in potential dollars instead of using voice actors like yourself that could most likely bring better product? Well, I think it's a two edged sword. I think you you know this started back in the '60s. I remember the Rescuers with Bob Newhart on that, but he was an original cast. Uh, but they were using celebrities, and then they caught on to the fact that, uh, you know, they started doing celebrities and cartoons and big animated cartoons. They've been doing it for decades now. And it's a two-edged sword because, you know, the kids, they listen to the cartoon series, and they hear a different voice. Yeah, It's not the same. And then they go see the movie, and they go, well, what happened to the voice? So, but I can't, I can't comment on it because, you know, if they want celebrity voices, and these guys are very talented – 
It's not about their talent. Uh, it's about consistency, I would think, you know, being consistent with the character. So, you know, these guys do a great job. You know, I, I can't really right. criticize them for that. But it is it is disconcerting in the sense that here you're doing a, a character in a cartoon series for 10 years or so or six seasons or 10 seasons. And then somebody else does your character in a movie. But, it, you know, it's their choice. It's their right. product. It's their their uh, property. So you're just grateful to be working. <laughs> I mean, I I can I can understand if right. it, if it was a, like a Disney film or a Universal animated feature, DreamWorks animated, and, it, and it's something that is not a normal product on TV. Right. But I would think with with like a Scooby Doo <clears throat> or Tom and Jerry, yeah. pull pull in the gang that actually does it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they. Um, want some sort of a guarantee that you have a name, some kind of name value to the, to the right. product. And I think that's basically what they're looking at. And you can't fault them for that. I mean, it's all about if they don't make their money and they don't make a profit, that's the end of that movie. That's the end of that series. So it's all about ratings and profit and all that. It's not just making a profit. It's making a big profit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So, it's kind so, of a, it's a different stakes for a movie. Yeah, it's different stakes. You know, they're, they're, they're relying on the fact that the movie-going audience wants to see their favorite actor do this part. And I think that's what they're looking right. for, you know. Mm. So, and I don't, even, I don't even know anything about the, the new Tom and Jerry movie, but uh, they're coming out with one. I'm in a movie right now, Letters from a Nut, produced by Jerry Seinfeld. I, and written I was, by the great Barry Martyr. Well, I was going <laughs> to ask Derek if he had any more Tom, Tom and Jerry questions, because oh, that yeah, was my next know? tape. Was to go to letter. Go ahead. Oh no, let's move on. I want to. I want to talk about your movie. Yeah. Oh. So let's go ahead. Since, since Sam segued us into it perfectly, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about uh, it's letter for a nut. Letters from a nut. Based letters on from the a book. Nut. If you ever read the books, you would laugh and laugh and laugh because he writes these letters, crazy letters to corporations, and they don't know. Hmm. The corporation doesn't know if the guy's a real nut or if the company's testing them <laughs> and, and uh, we did the play at the Geffen Theater and uh, here in Los Angeles it's a very uh, prestigious place and uh, and then they filmed it as a stage play and oh, I, played wow. a, mm. I play a depressed clown so uh, <laughs> and totally, I really enjoy it uh, totally opposite of your personality yes totally <laughs> and uh, it's it's G-rated it's for general audience and it's wonderful oh very cool yeah, it's very cool. Anybody can watch it. And like I said, he writes these hilarious letters. I mean, he had one letter to a hotel where, uh, you know, he wants to uh, bring his own ice machine because he's allergic to the ice uh, in <laughs> the hotel. <laughs> so they write back a letter. Oh, we'll accommodate you, whatever you want. You know, we'll, we'll help you out with your ice, your new ice machine. He goes, great. It will weighs 2,000 pounds. I'll need a forklift to get it into the room. <laughs> and, and again, this is on, this is on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, Amazon Prime. Letters from a Nut, written by the brilliant Barry Martyr, who is Jerry Seinfeld's head writer. And because yeah. of Barry, mm. and I thank him all the time for this, he put me on Comedians of Cards Getting Coffee. Oh, and it's all from him. He's just a prolific comedy writer. Well, I, mm. as soon as we're done recording tonight. I have the Amazon Prime app for Windows, yeah, and I'm downloading it so I can watch it tomorrow. Okay, yeah. On, yes. my, on my lunch break, I'll start watching yeah, that it tomorrow it, at work. It's a very fun, fun movie. It's really fun. Yeah, 
Yeah. It yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds really fun. Now, I mean, yeah, is it because you were already on the stage show that you got cast for the film? Well, we were original well, casters. There were only three people in the cast, so they filmed it as a right. stage. My so mistake. it's a stage. It's a stage. It's a stage play. Filmed as a stage play. Sort of like Hamilton, for so so our yeah. listeners understand. Yeah. Okay. Now, how yeah. how did you end up getting cast for the theatrical production? Well, Barry and I were good friends, and uh, uh, I he saw my comedy act, and he he knows what I do, and he's a stand-up comic himself, and a very funny comedy writer. And we got to be very good friends. And he said, "Listen, I'm doing this show, Letters from a Nut, and I I need a I need another guy, so <laughs> so I'd like you to to be in it. I think we can write you a good part. So that's what happened. I'm very grateful to him. You know, I just was lucky. And it takes a little luck." Hey, look, a little luck is always good. Yeah. So Barry's a good yes, friend. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Now, I guess to move back to, to Robot Chicken. Yeah. You, you've done quite a bit of voices. What are, what are some of the voices people would not would, – would, would be surprised were actually you? Well, I did uh, – I just did the Roadrunner for Robot Chicken. <laughs> no way. Oh, very cool. But I can't tell you about her. I have to kill you. So uh, I was also the <laughs> darn but, Seth. Yeah, yeah. I was also the narrator on um, the um, Mad Max version of uh, Robot Chicken, okay. where the it's, this uh, station oh. wagon family was running away from the holidays, and I was the narrator. Uh. I did that. <laughs> And then I used my regular voice on another episode that we did. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Um, Now, if you're okay with it, we'll go back and and cover uh, some past works you've done. Sure. Um, You were probably on one of my favorite cartoons back in the 80s, The Real Ghostbusters. So oh, you're part of the you're yes. part of the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, I didn't do very well on that one. I was supposed to be a screamer. I was supposed <laughs> to scream and be this guy who's afraid of the ghost and all that. And you know, um, you're sitting there with Maurice uh, Lamarche and Frank Welker mm-hmm. uh, and Arsenio Hall, and you're just going, "Oh my God!" You know, you're in a big league. <laughs> you know, these guys. Oh, yeah. These are the best of the best. You know, and it's a very very uh, uh, anxious <laughs> on that one. <laughs> But it was nice to do. I still get a residual once in a while. But I started as a dancer, you know, in the movies. So from Disney on Parade. Yeah. yeah, I did Mame with Lucille Ball. Amazing. How, how was that? Well, that was great. You know, you had to be a pretty good dancer to dance for Anna White. She had done the music band Bye Bye Birdie, and she yeah. won the Academy Award for Oliver. Oliver, and she choreographed Disney on Parade, and then she hired me to do Mame. And Lucy would tell me stories. You know, I was a leaper and a jumper. Oh, and nice. Hedges and do these jumps and turns and stuff. And uh, and she, uh, you know, she would talk to me. She's very serious. She wasn't funny off stage. Just a serious woman. Mm. And uh, she, uh, yeah. So I asked her about the Three Stooges. Because, you know, I'm a kid and I like the Three She goes, bad props. They almost killed me. Apparently she did a huh? Three Stooges movie. Short. Did not know that. Yeah, so she would she oh. would take the you know the you know this fine powder and powder her face. And one of the Stooges would turn on the fan, and she went <gasps> like that, and opened her mouth and her eyes, and it went into her eyes and her nose and her <sighs> mouth, all the dust and the you know oh. the, the fine powder. And she was in the hospital. She said for three days she thought she was going to die. Oh wow! Told me the, wow. 
Yeah. Huh. But the, the best story was she was telling me about how she had a filling in her tooth and they couldn't use the regular stuff. So they had to use this other stuff. And she wound up uh, getting radio waves in her tooth. Now, <laughs> I have heard. I, I've seen yeah. video. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there was a, a show that brought this up. Yeah. I tell you right now, if I hadn't heard it directly from Lucy, would you have believed it? That's the thing, you know? I kind mm-hmm. I kind of believed it then. Yeah. But to hear it from someone else and not a a TV show online where they showed archival footage of her talking about it on maybe it was to Dick Cavett or somebody. But to hear it from somebody who, who was not a a captive audience. Well, I mean captive in like the, the archival footage were shown this is, sounds cool she was consistent with the story and it was yeah. great yeah and so she was driving to mgm studios and she was picking up radio waves in her tooth and this was during world war ii and she was a contract player at the time and um and it was in german so <sighs> so she's she called the police and the fbi or whatever the authorities <laughs> and drove around and drove around until it got louder and louder and at the top of an apartment building overlooking mgm studios they found a nest of Nazi spies. Wow. And she found them. Oh, wow. Through, through her tooth. Through her tooth. Uh-huh. So I thought that was a great story. Is that something or what? That's that's that amazing. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. That is. That's amazing. But you could talk to her. She was just, you know, I talked to Bob Preston. You had to call him Bob. And I, I was a dancer. Yeah. I was a song and dance man, musical comedy. And then I wound up acting on television. And I played on a show called The Bob Newhart Show. I don't know if you remember that. I I remember both of them. The one oh, from yes. the, I remember the yep. one from the seventies, and then the one uh, what was it late eighties where you yeah. had Larry with his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was the one with the psychiatrist, and I yep. played a ventriloquist. Yep. And I believe right. the dummy was real and wanted to go out on his own. And you know, I remember that episode. I love yeah, that episode. Well, well Bob. Bob turned 90 and they did a whole retrospective on his life. The Wall Street Journal rated the top 10 of every season. And my episode came out number two with my performance with Bob. Oh, wow. Wow. Congrats. Thanks. And then they then they they interview all these celebrities of what they liked about Bob Newhart. And Conan says, well, I saw this Bob Newhart show and this this guy was a ventriloquist and I thought he was hilarious. I thought the show, you know, I wanted to be a comedian. I want to get in a comedy because I thought it was so funny. So. Conan owes, owes I, he owes his career to me. Wow. So, actually, actually that, that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so then he ought to, that's got to feel pretty good. <laughs> it feels pretty good. So then he uh, interviews uh, Bob Newhart and Bob says his favorite episode is the ventriloquist. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and, and your show only ended up at number two after all this. Yeah. Yeah, after all that. Wow. I can't imagine what was number one. <laughs> I, w- I want to recount. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really? It was very funny. Yeah. Now you you also have a great guest star role on another one of my favorite shows, uh, Corporal in Airwolf. Oh, Corporal Manga! You had one Ooh. line. Yeah, <laughs> but that was a great show, and, yeah, and I, I loved show. everyone who came through yeah. that show. Yeah, the director hired me to do one one line, and it was very gracious of him. He was very kind to me, and uh, and so I wound up in the belly of this mock-up of a, of an airplane, a jet, and I'm supposed to say something like, you won't believe what I'm seeing or something. And we fuel up a helicopter that's supposed to fly supersonic faster than yeah. I can walk and talk or whatever. And uh, it was fun. And 
I got to tell you, at five o'clock, everybody was gone. It was like everybody was abandoned. I was just in the <laughs> cockpit by myself, laying in the canopy, <laughs> just laying there. You know. Oh, and they put the gas mask on me, so you couldn't recognize me. You didn't know who it was. Yeah. And I had the and I uh. almost suffocated because there was no way to breathe through it. So. Oh wow. Yeah, I had to figure out how to breathe. So. Uh, you, you you mentioned uh, Conan gives you your episode and kind of gives you credit for him becoming a comedian. And, and yeah. I announced you as a comedian as well. So you do quite a yeah. bit of stand-up. Yeah, I started as a stand-up at the Comedy Store with Leno and Letterman and Robin Williams. And we used uh, to do, Robin and I used to do medical Shakespeare together. he get up and go, look, the moon like a testicle hangs low in the sky. And I would say, design young Frederick Man of a Thousand Feces. Now, I, I'm trying to remember it. Comedy Store, that's the one that was owned by Polly Shore's mom? Yep, Mitzi Shore, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I got, I got the right one. She hired me to be on the sh- to be a, a regular at this, uh, the comedy store. Oh, how cool is that? So it must have been yeah. wild watching Polly grow up. Yeah, Polly, uh, I went up to visit her house and do the dummy thing for, for Polly. Polly says doesn't remember. But Polly's been so I, yeah. I haven't seen him in years, and uh, you know. But yeah, I watched him grow up. Uh, he probably didn't remember much of me, but his Sammy Shore, his father, remembered me, and I think he finally passed. But uh, you know, Mitzi's gone now too. Yeah. yeah, my name's on the wall. My name's on the wall at the comedy store. So. That's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I worked with all those guys. I tell you, Michael Keaton was there. Keaton, he was a comedian. Oh wow. But he was damn good. Guy's fantastic, amazing actor. Amazing. Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite. It's my favorite Batman in the in the cinematic Batman's. He's my favorite everything. Everything he does, everything he touches. <laughs> he should get an Academy Award every time he's on the on the on film. You know, true. That's, that's actually Batman. funny because Beetlejuice was just on right before I came on to start recording well, clean, tonight. <laughs> clean and sober, he should have won. He should have won for Clean and sober was amazing. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. go to what an amazing range he has. Yep. You know? Fantastic. Yeah. Talk to everybody else but me. So <laughs> Well when people ask me, uh, I'm a big hockey fan and people ask me, What's your what's your top three hockey movies? Of course I go yeah. Slapshot. I do yeah. Miracle. And then I say clean and sober. They're like, say what? Like yeah, clean and sober. Michael Keaton, he's a hockey player. Yeah, yeah. In this in this film, it is a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought he was terrific in it. And uh, anyway, he's just a great actor. You know, these are guys you learn from. You always want to be around people better than you. Like uh, Ed Asner is an old friend. I choreographed him in a musical many years ago. Back in the early seventies, and he, he uh, you know, he's been a friend ever since. He's got seven Emmys from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Lou Grant. You know, I said mm. to him one day, I, you know, I'd done the Bob Newhart Show, and I said to him, you know, all I do is comedy. You know, I like to do, you know, drama. He goes, hey, you want to be a jerk? I'll put you on Lou Grant. So <laughs> I wound up as a pharmacist, <laughs> charging twice the price and giving out half the pills. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 and who knew that that would be the way it is today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You were ahead yep. of the time with that. Yep, big pharma. <clears throat> um, going back to the comedy store, who, yeah. who's, I don't want to say favorite, who would be your top three or ta- top five favorites that you, you worked with at the comedy store? 
Well, uh, it'd be hard or still to, or still work with. It would be hard to. Well, it'd be hard to pick out everybody, but there's so many great comics and yeah. different diverse. You know, comedy subjective. You can say somebody just doesn't make you laugh, and he's this huge hit. You know, I mean, they had everybody there. I mean, of course, Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, Keith, I mentioned. Uh, they have um, Jerry Bednob, uh, and of course Seinfeld's one of my favorites. Uh, but mm. he didn't do the comedy store. He did the improv. And we all did all these different clubs, you know. And uh, I have a friend, Bob Zaney, who's hilarious, who's now in Vegas, works in Vegas. And oh, yeah. So many great comics. It's hard to, you know, uh, even, um, um, oh, God, uh, you see him all the time on, uh, uh, God, what's wrong with my memory? He's on, uh, he does Bobby's World, and he's uh, America's Got Talent. Howie Mendel. Uh, oh, um, Howie. Yeah. Howie. Yeah. Hilarious. First time, first time I I ever saw Howie Mandel was Saint Elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, first time I saw him was before he got Saint Elsewhere, and uh, it was on the Comedy Store. The minute he stepped on the stage, he was just hilarious, just great. I mean, Seinfeld's terrific. I mean, these guys really hone their craft, and there's just so many. It's hard to mention everybody. You know, I can't even remember half the guys. It was a uh, a guy named Pat Proft who wrote Airplane, the movie, yeah. and uh, you know. Oh, wow. All these other films that he did, you know, the uh, the ones with uh, Lieutenant Drebin and uh, um, yeah, Police Squad, Dragnet, yeah, Police Squad, Police Squad, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. Police Squad, yeah, Naked Gun, yes, yeah, Naked Gun movies, stories of the Police of Squad, movies. yeah, this guy was brilliant. He was at the comedy store. You know, there's just so many people that came in and came out and went in and went out. Just there were so many. I mean, hard to mention them all. And you learn from these people. You watch and you learn. You learn how they write. You learn how they, uh, you know, there are three things in comedy, point of view, attitude, and material. And uh, so if you have a point of view and, and an attitude, or if you have two out of three, you're a professional comedian. If you have all three, you're Robin Williams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And the same thing with voice acting. Voice acting, it's the acting. Anybody can do the voice. You got a million guys out there who do Daffy Duck, but you have to act. You know, or Donald Duck or right. anybody. And Daffy Duck's probably one of the greatest cartoon characters ever made. Yeah. The most versatile. Right. Yeah. Or And Bugs Bunny. Uh, these guys, Mel Blanc was amazing. And Mel Blanc, I went to the Mel Blanc School mm. of Voices, and uh, I met Mel. You know, his son introduced us, Noel. He said, Donald Duck, meet Daffy Duck. So I did Donald, he did Daffy. <laughs> then he said, uh, you know, um, I got to tell you, it's great you do somebody else's voice, but I made my career on original voices. So, yeah, I studied, I tried to create original voices. But I got to tell you, when he was right and he was wrong, because when he passed away, it took like, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yeah. people to replace yeah. him. To replace him. So, yeah. you know, I'm, and that's what it takes, somebody to die for you to get a job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it makes sense what it makes sense what he says, but you know, as you're coming in and those people are are leaving, whether it's retirement or natural causes, I mean, somebody's got to start impersonating a little bit to continue to continue the legacy of the character. Well, of course, I'm talking, talking decades ago. Yeah. And Warner Brothers is bringing back all these cartoons. So it's yeah. great to see, see them again. Yeah. I hope they bring back the Jetsons. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I want to see brought back, but I, I don't, I don't know who you would cast in the Scatman 
uh, in oh, the role yeah. that Scatman did, and that's Hong Kong yeah. Fooey. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, Scatman, yeah, yeah. I did a TV pilot at NBC called Hollywood High, and we were next door to uh, to another TV series called Something in the Man, you know, with uh, a comedian. Chico and, and the Man? Chico and the Man, yeah. And Scatman was on that show. Yeah. So Scatman would come over to visit, and we were, like, sitting in a big room with nothing to do except eating donuts. And uh, and I was a dancer, and I was a tapper and all that, and he would scat, and I would tap to his scat. Huh? We had a great wow. time. I just remembered that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said you're, you were a tapper. Um, yeah. Because I wish my daughter was awake so she could ask you some questions because she's taking that uh, tap class. Tap class? Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. This year, she started tap two uh, and ballet three. Or wow. no, tap two, no, ba- tap three, ballet two. So. Yeah. And, and then she also loves doing American clogging as well. Oh, yeah, that I can't do. But I I did tap ballet and jazz in my day. That's what you had to do to get a job. And today it's just totally different. I mean, I couldn't even come today. Uh, It's the the whole dance world has changed. Yeah. Well, thankfully, her her studio, like with her ballet, uh, they are Royal Academy of Dance certified. And she so she she was supposed to do her level one exams this past spring. But, of course, the. The virus that shall remain nameless. Yeah, yeah. Um, canceled all that. So they go. Well, you're going to start prepping for your level two exam, and we're going. Hmm. All the parents are going, but they didn't take level one. They go. That's okay. She can still take level twos as long as she's prepared for it. Well, that's great. So, that's but she great. does that. Well, probably, uh, that probably time. knows the time steps by now, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So. so much. I work with some pretty big dancers uh, from West Side Story. Uh, they were my teachers, a couple of those guys. And, of course, I studied with uh, Anna Chiselka at the Anna Chiselka oh. School up here yeah, in Studio City. She was a prima ballerina. So and she danced in the movies. Do, do you miss dancing? Even though you, oh, you've yeah, moved on to – you still dance. Amazing. Yes, yes. That's Did awesome. You know, I, oh, wow. I, am, I am the male stripper at the Jewish Home for the Aged. <laughs> well, I know where my what my entertainment's going to be when when yeah. I hit fifty one next year. Tell you, it's a great job. It's a great job. You come back the next day, they think you're the new guy. So <laughs> <laughs> instead of putting dollar bills in your speedo, they only give you quarters. You know, no coupons. 20, yes, after twenty five quarters, your crotch hits the ground. You're dragging your crotch around. It's just terrible. You know. <laughs> Makes that stupid noise. <laughs> you know, it's well, the only it's the only job where you need a change maker. <laughs> the, the the old says over there going, "Do you take coupons?" <laughs> yes, yes, I take a coupon. It depends on where it's sticking. So, <laughs> oh, we we have to be clean here. I'm sorry, sorry. Oh, we <laughs> we we could. We, we're a family show, but we could push that edge a little bit. That's not yeah, a problem. Thank you very much. Thank sure. you for so kind of you, yes. <laughs> Should be so erudite, erudite. I think that's the word. So, um, you, which have you enjoyed doing more, acting or the voice acting? Well, it's acting. It's all acting. It's all fun. It's all fun. I mean, I miss being on the stage doing a play or a musical. 
I, I was at the Beverly Hills Playhouse studying, and I did uh, we did uh, scenes from the producers, and I played Viola Stock. Okay. And the, what I did well about it was I made him dance, and uh, no one had ever no one had ever seen him do a double pirouette before. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so so it was a lot of fun, and I mean I put the whole thing together. I choreographed it. I staged it, you know, and and all that. And we did uh, we did a couple of scenes from there. It was pretty good. So awesome. I was very proud of that. I wish I'd done the whole show. Would have been nice. You uh, know? Yeah. Yeah. So. But, since we have been in this pandemic state, uh, yeah. what have you been doing to stay busy or, or stay working currently? Well, uh, you know, believe it or not, voiceover is still going on. It's animation's the only We've thing. We've been hearing worked. that, yeah. Animation, that's it. I mean, everything else. I know the Goldbergs went back to filming because uh, my friend Mindy Sterling was on it, and she showed a picture of her, you know, socially distancing, you know, and uh, you know, on the break. And so they're they're back in production, but I think it's very very slow. Right. And uh, for instance, mm. for instance, uh, uh, I've done three or four Tom and Jerry's, and I did one lo- new Looney Tunes, and I did a Robot Chicken in the last couple of weeks. So that was very good. Also, I I've been submitting my uh, stories to Tom and Jerry. Excellent. Now. Oh, when, nice. when you're when you're doing these, are you going in studio or are you doing yeah. them from a home studio? So studios are open. They're open, but they're very cautious. You have to right. take your temperature. You have to ask. They ask right. you questions. They have a cough. You have this. You have that. Uh, have you been in contact with anybody with COVID? Blah blah blah. And then yeah. uh, <clears throat> when I do uh, Tom and Jerry, there are three monitors, and the executive producer and the writer and the whoever is up there you know, watching me and uh, directing me, the director, uh, while I sit in a uh, isolated booth. And they, okay. they're, they're nowhere near my studio. They're at home or something. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then we have a sound engineer in another booth, totally away from me and in a glass booth. And I'm in a glass booth. And I do my, and everything gets wiped down before and after I'm in there. See, I, I'd be the guy staring at you from across the, Across the glass, I'm an audio engineer at Walt Disney World. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah, I would love to sit in on on a voice acting session for for animated cartoon or feature or whatever, just to see how that plays out. Because I know it's totally different than recording an album, uh, which I I have done in the studio. Well, uh, yeah, we go in and we just do our sides. We don't see any of the other actors. Uh, I'm just totally isolated. There's nobody else there. Uh, they call me. I sit in my car in the parking lot. And wow. I say, okay, just finish with so-and-so, oh, wow. and you're the next, you're next up. So uh, come on in. The other person's left. And when you come in, let us know that you're in the ha- inside, and we'll direct you to where you need to go and all that. And that's what we did. So you sit in the parking lot, flip the car to yeah. the auxiliary gas so you can leave the AC running, watch yeah. watch a movie on the iPad. <laughs> well, Once they're done. I go through my lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that so voice acting is of, still going. Oh, yeah. As yeah, a matter of fact, I heard Netflix is going to rent the biggest building in Burbank and start Netflix animation over there. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Huh. Animation's going to – it's exploding. So basically, voice acting was kind of tailor-made for this kind of environment in a way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there should be a lot of work coming up, I would expect. So if you have any kind of a name, uh, you should be able to, you know, connect. 
Mm. With all this voice acting work that's going on, you know what needs to come back? What? Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I I wish. That was my favorite thing. Saturday morning, sit there and watch cartoons. That'd be the only reason why now I would not sleep in on a Saturday morning if I didn't have to go to work. I would get up to go watch cartoons. <laughs> Even though I have a DVR, I would still get up to watch the cartoons. Yes, the DVR with a flashing uh, midnight yep. clock. Yeah, yep. nobody can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your listeners know about that uh, DVR? Is the, that the, old, the old VCRs? It's around for like 20 years. I still have one, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I have videotapes, too, of my work, and uh, I have all that stuff. I have videos of, you know, just sitting in a garage, you know. Wow. Nobody watches them anymore. It was like yeah. you, you open up the owner's manual. To change the clock, first, you must have a Ph.D. <laughs> in physics and, a, and engineering. Yes. And then the moon must be in third retrograde, in alignment yes. with Venus and Uranus. <laughs> and how long is pi? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I actually I saw this one on Facebook. I, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Someone said, "How how do you know how big a pumpkin is?" Well, you take a tape measure, measure around it, and there you have pumpkin pie. Ah, pie! Like, I'll let myself out. Like okay. Thank you. I'll leave. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to take your job. I'm a father, so I have dad jokes. <laughs> Oh, I have plenty of bad jokes. I and I, I, I talk about how I'm single, you know, I'm a single guy, you know, and I went to the singles dance, forty to sixty plus, only the plus showed up. <laughs> I, I ordered a glass of water, somebody's teeth were in it. <laughs> yeah, they were my teeth. <laughs> and I won the raffle, oxygen. <laughs> Talk about old. <laughs> I mean, I finally left when the band was drowned out by the flatulence, you know? <laughs> well, my, that was enough oh, good. One of my favorite Billy Crystal sketches is he talks about uh, his daughters asked him, one of his daughters came up to him and asked, Dad, is it true Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah. spots just pop. Boom, boom, boom. He goes, well, you know, darling, let me COVID. tell you about the Beatles. <laughs> Wait, yes. So uh, <clears throat> because of COVID, you know, I've stopped dating and I've saved a fortune. More than Geico. You know, that's more than 15%. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Thank you. I'm so afraid to make love now. I don't even touch myself. Oh. <laughs> the last time I made love, I was alone and I fell asleep. That's how boring I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bada bing, bada boom. I love it. I love it. It's stand up. <laughs> I I have thought about because um, we have improv here in Orlando. Yeah. I have thought about doing their open mic. Yeah. But even though I, I I'm an audio engineer and I'm usually behind the scenes, and of course mm-hmm. I've been podcasting for eight years. Right. I'm almost afraid to get up in front of a crowd <laughs> and, and, and try. Yeah. You know, I used to tell. Uh, I choreographed a children's uh, elementary school show called Oliver, you know, one of those, one of those musicals. Right. And they had all the kids in it and they did, they did one called the wizard of Oz and the whiz. They put it together, made it one show for an elementary school. Oh, wow. One of the kids said, you know, uh, I'm afraid of the audience. I go, well, listen, you know, I was always told 
that when you get up in front of an audience, picture them naked, and the kids all laugh. You know, I said, if you picture them naked, then you have nothing to fear because they're the ones that are funny. You know, they're the ones that are, you know, naked. Right. You're not. So it didn't go over too well. But <laughs> well, the, 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 the one time I, I did do did give a, a presentation, I, I followed that advice. I tried to picture the crowd naked, and I looked down, and I was naked. <laughs> <Bada-bing>. <laughs> hey, I try. Hey, we'll be here all week. Try I'm, the deal. Try. I'm not at I'm not at Sam's level yet, but yeah. I try. Tip your waitress. Just tip her over, okay? Just <laughs> a lot of fun. See, and, that, fun. and that that's where I get into the the, the jokes involving names. What do you call a, a one legged waitress? I give up, Peg. Eileen. I, well, I was close. Wait, what, 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 what do you call one-legged waitress that works in a Chinese restaurant? Irene. Uh, oh, God. No, we don't go there. We do not go there. Not today. Today, not ever. That's on you, buddy. That one's on me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, comedy subjective. It is. Do, yeah, sure. do you... Since since we kind of went that direction, do you think um, the political correctness has gone too far and taken away um, from it caused a lot of limitations on what you could do in comedy? Well, it, it it would kill comedy completely, but I haven't seen it in the comedy clubs. Of course, they're down now for quite a while. Right. The comedy clubs. I mean, I think anything goes. I mean, I haven't heard anybody uh, not not step over the line, you know, uh, I, I don't think it, it, it applies to comedy clubs. It gets pretty, pretty base with some comedians and, you know, you've got comedians who are really class, got a lot of class. So it's a little different. And, uh, but yeah, political correctness can kill comedy, especially in television and movies. And, uh, and that's our medium today, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, political correctness hurts. Uh, and when the minute somebody starts to rant and rave about, I mean, there's a limit. Everybody has their limit. The question is, where's the line? That's the question. That's the thing most people don't know. Where's the line? Mm, right, right. Yeah, that's why I lose every girlfriend I have. I don't know where the line is. So <laughs> <laughs> I lost you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you don't tell a woman she's uh, overweight, you know. That's the end of your career, you know. So, I, but, I can see that. What, I mean, do you do oh, fat worse. jokes? Do you do, what do you do? Skinny jokes, fat jokes? What do you do? You know what I'm saying? If you do self-deprecating humor where you're talking about yourself being fat, that's acceptable. But if you talk about somebody in the audience being fat, that's offensive, isn't it? It just it just depends on how you handle it. And uh, that's right. Yeah, that's the thing about comedy. Well, I I would think if I'm being heckled, yeah, if you're fat, you're heckling me. It's my turn to heckle you. So I'm going well, right after it. I've seen comedians go out in the audience and go, "Okay, you're better than me. You're funnier. Here's the mic." <laughs> you know that he stops him or you know, please don't, 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 don't. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I don't need your help. I can die on my own. You know. <laughs> I was in, this guy was heckling me at the laugh factory in Vegas and he would yell things out in the middle of my act. And, you know, I don't do the usual corny stuff like, oh, I don't speak drunk and, you know, that kind of stuff. 
I just go, yes, sir, whatever you said, whatever language that was, I don't know what it, it's English. I don't know what it was. But at the end of my act, they do a joke about Disneyland, that Disneyland's like having sex. It's like making love because it's a three hour wait for a two and a half minute ride. And he yelled out something and I went, well, for you, 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And we still, it costs us a hundred bucks and we still go back for more. You know, it's like, well, and, then, and, so then, that was and with the woman that was with him, it, it was the case of she was writing. It's a small world. Yes. Yes. Ah, there you go. And uh, she agreed with me and, uh, <laughs> and everybody applauded and laughed. And because, because I didn't <clears throat> hurt him, really. I just, you know, he just interrupted my at the right time at the right place. And yeah. so you get a little lucky in stand up. You don't want to offend the audience. You want them on your side. You don't want to tell people off. And right. Tell them, yeah. You know, you're an idiot or anything. You just go. Yeah, you're right, sir. I suck. Well, OK, let's move on. <laughs> you know, you just agree with them. You go, yes, whatever you say, of course. You know, that was a terrible joke. It was horrible. That's why everybody was laughing but you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you just, you just, you know, roll with it. We're, we're not laughing at you. Well, yes, we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we were. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. We didn't mean to laugh at you. We're trying to laugh with you, but it's, I'm waiting for you to be funny. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever. You know, if he really gets obnoxious, usually the mater he comes by and escorts him out. So, you know, you're there to do your act. You, you want to get through your material. Right. I mean, even guys I know who play with the audience, it's their act. But they have already rehearsed and created lines that work. You know, like I did, uh, uh, what you call it? I did uh, the Jerry Lewis telethon one year. And I was set up in the audience. And Bob Zaney was the it evening host. He took over for Ed McMahon. So I'd say to him, I was supposed to be the heckler in the audience. So this is all the setup. So I said something great. I said, "Hey, I heard you. I heard you had an operation." And uh, Bob says, "How do you know about that?" I said, "I heard you had your talent removed." You know. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bob would come back with something. <clears throat> and uh, you know, it was just that kind of a thing. But it was a setup, and, uh, and so it was funny because it kind of knew I was a schmuck, yeah. you know, as a shill. Well, I I, th I think it's. It was interesting to hear that you said some comics actually have routines that they could switch. I'm assuming if, they, if they're starting to get heckled, they immediately change their act to, okay, I'm now being heckled. Here's the heckle routine. Yeah. And, it's, and everything, it, it, it's a scripted routine. Yeah. But they're just waiting for that one schmutz to, to come yeah. in, that yeah. one schmill to come in. <laughs> Yeah. And just start up so they go, yep, I've got them tonight and you're and it. Some of, these guys are, some of these guys are brilliant. And, and of course, they're really very witty off the top of their heads as well. I mean, I know Robin. Robin Williams had set bits, but he could go off. We did medical Shakespeare, you know. I'll pox upon your coccyx sucker. I'll ask for incest. I knew who well, fellatio, et tu uterus, you know, that kind of thing. And <laughs> those were my lines. And then he would take off. You couldn't keep up with him. I mean, he was that brilliant. And he could play off the audience. He had total confidence in his characters. And he had a million characters. Yeah. Wasn't anything he couldn't do. So, and... I, uh, I would be afraid... That sounds like my kind of Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. I would be afraid to be... To have visited inside Robin Williams' mind. 
I, I, I would imagine that was a <laughs> nonstop circus in there in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of brilliant com- comedians out there and comedy writers. Like I said, Barry Martyr, who wrote yeah. the letter from the most prolific comedy writer I know. He co-wrote the B movie for Jerry and he worked on Seinfeld, the series. This guy is brilliant. I mean, he is brilliant. And he wrote Letters from a Nut and I was thrilled to be in it. It was because of his kindness, you know? Awesome. A generous man. So these are people out there like, and Jerry's brilliant. Yeah. Jerry is, doesn't have to ever work. Oh, yeah. But he loves stand-up and he's out there doing it. Kind, <laughs> very kind man. And, it, you know, when you get to the top, you see these people like Ed Asner and Jerry and... Yeah. They're real nice people. Yeah. And they'll tell you that they were lucky. They got lucky. And they were the right place at the right time. And they got a break. And that's what it takes. It takes a little luck. And yeah. uh, people don't believe that, but I do. Well, I, I believe in it. Yeah, I believe in little, it. You just get someone to uh, who, who thinks you're pretty good, yeah. you know, and uh, you hope something comes of it. Anyway, that's that's the name of that tune. We don't want to get too uh, <laughs> sophomoric about it. <laughs> Eric, you got any other questions? We've done a lot tonight. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot. Yeah, this it's is great. Time, for, time for bedtime, isn't it? I'm Almost. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Well, seven, seven, four. I was really seven. enjoying uh, getting into the comedy. Yeah, yeah. stand-up comedy. And it's about writing, writing. Uh, you know, I, like I said, it's attitude, point of view, and material. You have to, an attitude. Mm. Think of all the great comics. What do they have? An attitude. They have yeah. a point of view. They have something to say. And the material reflects their point of view and their attitude. See that that's for me is the material that I just don't think I have at the moment. And that's well, why I, I, do, I that's really why I'm afraid to do an open mic. Well, there's a book. There there are formula jokes set up on time. There are puns. There are uh, observational humor. David Letterman, David Letterman's formula comedy. You know, right. uh, I love to write one-liners. But my dad, my dad is 102. Did you know that? Did not. Wow. Wow. 102, and we lost him last year. Oh, sorry to hear that. Well, he's still alive. We just don't know where he is. I walked into that one. I walked into that one. See what I mean? You know, he's the over 90 ping pong champ because the other guy didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm big on puns. That's something yeah. I, I was raised with, the one-upsmanship yeah. and, and puns. So uh-huh. you get in on topic, and if if I can get going with the puns, I don't stop. <laughs> well, stand-up is a writer's medium. Some of the greatest sitcom writers, comedy writers, came out of stand-up, or they tried their mm. hand at stand-up. They were terrible actors, but great writers, you know? Some of them were, could do it all. Some could do it all, you know, like a Howie Mandel or a Robin Williams or a Pat Proc or any of these guys, you know? Right. And there are those who just stood there dead on stage, but their material was so funny. You couldn't deny their, their, their talent. Right. And if you look at David Letterman, he does observational humor. Yeah. He's a joke how he lost, he was reading the National Enquirer, you know, and lost 50 pounds in one week. Pretty much leaves disease, don't you think? So these were his jokes, you know, yeah. back then. And George Miller, who is a great comedy writer and helped, he helped David Letterman. Yeah. They were yeah. best friends. Miller would do jokes that were just hilarious. You know, he'd just, oh, I go to a PTA meeting, you know, and some guy goes, I, I don't want any more violence in this school. I don't want any more nudity or sexual nudity or anything in the in the school. Some guy wasn't listening too much, got up and said, well, why can't we have both? You know, I like to see people <laughs> eat the hell out of each other. 
And that was a George Miller joke. Wow. What you do is you take two different subjects and you, how do you put them together? How do they relate? They're like, I'm not feeling too good tonight, folks. I had dinner at this gay sushi bar. Whatever you do, man, don't order the blowfish. <laughs> so okay. what? What? I mean, it's a little gross, but you're saying, you know, a gay sushi bar, blowfish. You make That's the a- connection in your mind. It makes no sense. Yeah. But you, you kind of connect it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you take yeah. Yeah. different subjects and how do they connect? I'm teaching comedy now. Okay. Hey, it's great. <laughs> we, we we go from quacker the duck to going yeah. quackers. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know that's G-rated, and I'm I'm getting a little off on my comedy accent. So well, the same. I I guess on that note, where can people find you online? Oh yeah, Sam K three thousand S A M K A Y three zero 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 dot com. That's my website. Awesome. You can see all my ducks and all my cartoons and all my movies and television shows. Bob Newhart, Family Ties, uh, all that stuff. Lou Grant. And uh, I also, when I was a dancer, I did a, a movie called At Long Last De- Love. At Long Last Love with Madeline Kahn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, the great wow. Madeline Kahn. Yeah, she used to sit yes. with her legs open. She wore pants. And I said to her, <laughs> look, Madeline. Then I walk over to my, my caveman outfit because we're waiting around to shoot. I go, look, you're a star now. You're going to cross your legs. So Madeline goes, looks down and goes, you're right. She crossed her legs. So every time I looked at her, if she wasn't crossing her legs, she'd go, oh, damn it. And she'd cross her legs. <laughs> 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 it's just a running gag. It was just an absolute sweetheart. And of course, you could you could catch Sam as Quacker on Tom and Jerry on Boomerang. And you could also catch him as the clown in Letter from a Nut on Amazon Prime. So right. we need to make sure we get those out there as well. Yeah. And, of course, I'm going to say thank you for, for joining us this week. It has been an absolute honor and an absolute blast. I think that's where we leave it. I can't. Yep. I can't top that. <laughs> so, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club. This has been a Weeby Geeks production. There seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere.